Welcome to the Contracting Officer Podcast. It's not just for contracting officers. If you're anywhere in the government acquisition world, this podcast is for you. Today, we're revisiting a fundamental concept of the Contracting Officer Podcast, the acquisition and execution time zones, focusing on the starting point and the ending point of each zone. These are probably familiar to longtime listeners, but worth a brush up. And for new listeners, we talk about these in pretty much every episode. So here we go with a quick overview of the acquisition and execution time zones. We talk about the time zones, the acquisition and execution time zones in almost every episode. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. We started the acquisition time zones in episode number three, and it took us a while to realize we were leaving out the post award. So then the execution time zones idea came up, and then that was in episode 84. Yeah, it only took us a couple hundred more episodes to notice that the name we chose for one of the zones was was a bit limiting. The source selection zone is the last of the acquisition time zones. And calling it source selection kind of rules out most of the buys that the, the government does. So we've decided to cut off the source and just call it the selection zone from here on out. Today, we're going to do an overview of all of the time zones for you. It's been a while since we've explained exactly what this concept is all about, even though it's it's fundamental to, to how we talk about things on the podcast. Before we do that, let's stop and say thanks. Thanks this week goes to Kenya Harris-Nesmith. She's in Chantilly, Virginia. Kenya is a contracting officer at the Department of Defense. I want to thank Kenya for reaching out to give us her feedback on our podcast. She took the time to walk me through how she found the podcast how she uses the information that we're sharing and why she keeps listening. As you can imagine, this is really helpful information for <laughs> us because we found that being able to talk to folks, to, to people who are actually listening to our podcast is the single best way to continue to bring value week after week. So thank you, Kenya, for helping us continue to make government contracting better one contract at a time. Thanks, Kenya. All right, into the acquisition and execution time zones. To help you visualize this, think think of it like a clock or or a wheel of cheese or, or maybe a, a pizza. Uh, clock is probably the best. <laughs> start, start or best for me to explain. Start at twelve o'clock at the top and go around clockwise and think of them in order: the requirement zone, then the market research zone, the RFP zone, the selection zone. Now you're down at six p.m. a.m. You're at the bottom of the clock and the hands are starting to go back up through the honeymoon zone, the performance zone, the recompete zone, and the wrap-up zone, and we're back to the top at 12. Starting with the requirement zone, Kevin. It starts when the government decides it needs to acquire something, anything. Cybersecurity services, national park maintenance, ventilators, accounting support, armored vehicles, something, right? Product or service. Could be anything. The government's trying to write down, and we've talked about how difficult that is, write down or type out exactly what they want to buy, right? The requirement zone ends when that requirement is defined in in whatever way you can define it, right? So not as in, I want a Big Mac or a Whopper, but you can't be brand name specific in requirements in most cases. The requirement ends up being more like, I need a a cow-based meat smashed between two pieces of bread. 
right? And you might end up with a Big Mac or a Whopper, but there's lots of other choices. So big picture requirement. Once the government has a requirement, they move into the market research zone. The market research zone is, to me, where a lot of the magic happens, okay? Because this, this begins when you've decided what we need, what the government needs, okay? The market research zone is the who, what, why, where, when can I buy this, right? Starting out, is this commercial? That's, that's the preference. The FAR wants you to buy things. The government wants to buy commercial when possible. Is it something that it's, it's like something commercial, but it, but it needs to be just a little bit different for my special government purposes, does anybody else make it? Uh, can we develop, can someone develop this, record, this this particular solution? How long is it going to take? How much is it going to cost? All of this information requires interaction with industry, hence the market research name for the zone. So many things about what the acquisition process will be are decided here because we got to determine what the best acquisition process will be. Is this a purchase card? Is this a full and open source selection <laughs> under FAR Part 15? Is it going to be set aside for small business? Is it a multiple award on an, an existing indefinite delivery, indefinite quantity contract? You almost said IDIQ there. I, I did. I caught myself. IDIQ, indefinite delivery, indefinite quantity. What you might see in the market research zone are things like requests for information, RFIs, uh, white papers, sources sought, announcements, industry days where industry and government are in the same room in, in non-pandemic times, uh, Maybe, maybe Zoom now, where, where there's questions and answers back and forth. A draft request for proposal could be issued in the market research zone. This is where the government launches out. Hey, here's the requirement. Here's how we think we're going to buy it. Tell us what you think, industry. It all happens here. There are a lot of things that are happening that you don't see. For example, the efforts of business development and relationship building, those are all happening either during this zone or preferably before this zone. And those are the things you're not going to see. The fact that someone has a relationship with one of the users helps them understand the requirement better, and that leads to a better result later, right? During the market research zone, is, is it very critical to understand that this is why targeting is important and getting ahead of opportunities? Because during this zone is where you're going to actually be able to use information that's in the source of salt, white papers, et cetera, that you see. Yeah, yeah. Communications should be wide open at this point, right? So, so open that it, you might actually revert back to the requirement zone. You might learn enough in the market research zone that you find out your requirement it isn't, isn't the best way to solve your problem. So you might go back, shift your requirement, and kind of recycle through the market research zone again before you get to the end. And the market research zone ends when the final request for proposal or solicitation, whatever type it is, is released, which moves us into the RFP zone. Like you said, it begins when the RFP is released. When when whatever the request for give me something to prove what you're how you're going to solve my problem comes out, okay? We call it the RFP zone even though it might actually be an RFQ or IFB whatever. It's kind of poorly named, but calling it the solicitation zone didn't really roll off the tongue. <laughs> so we decided RFP zone is better. Yeah, RFP is a common a more common acronym request for a proposal, maybe than those other ones that you just dropped, like RFQ, which requests for quote, IFB, invitation, forbid, whatever. Solicitation zone is too long. We're sticking with RFP zone. This is where industry is writing their proposals or whatever the equivalent is, preparing their bid, however you want to say it. Communications are still possible 
between the government and industry in the RFP zone, but they're tightly controlled by the contracting officer here. Again, they've released the final RFP. They need to treat everyone fairly. Everyone's writing their proposals. The communications flow is is greatly limited yes, during this phase. It's, it's going to feel greatly diminished. That The yeah, biggest it, difference between the market research zone and the RFP zone is lots of open communication in order to develop an acquisition strategy that actually works based on what we know about industry. Check. That's the market research zone. RFP zone, we've already made those decisions. We know what solicitation is. We know what the overall acquisition strategy is. Now we need to keep it limited to not mess up what we already, or the plan we already had. Right. That it, that inform, it's going to feel constricted, <laughs> the amount of communication yeah. during this zone. The RFP zone ends at the proposal due date when proposals are submitted, which leads us to the selection zone. Definitely not the source selection zone, just the selection zone. Yes, this, this source selection is a FAR 15-centric term. So selection, this means that regardless of what acquisition strategy the government used, they're going to select somebody because they're picking a winner by whatever process they announced in the final RFP. And only, another key factor, this is a BDG rule, this is the government rule, only by the rules that they laid out in the RFP or RFQ or whatever it was. Solicitation. They can't change their mind of how they're going to evaluate things right here. Communications are essentially cut off. This is where you submit your proposal and it goes into that, that government black box during the selection process, right? Communications are by exception or by invitation only. And it's like a one-way street. Communications go out from the government and answers come back from industry. Industry doesn't get to ask a whole bunch of questions during this phase. You might have no idea what's going on. And that's a frustrating window, but it's normal. Like you said, it's a black box. Because we, the, the communication has to be even more tightly controlled. The selection zone ends when the contract is awarded or the order is placed or the, the purchase card transaction is, is consummated, whatever. Which allows us to cross the threshold from the acquisition time zones to the execution time zones. One thing we left out that could kind of bridge that gap. There is no official protest zone, but but we've spoken a lot about protests on the podcast. If a protest occurs, if, if someone officially protests the award of the contract, it's like that contract purgatory. You're you're stuck between <laughs> things, right? You're you can't you can't actually move into the execution of the contract. And the selection isn't really complete until the protest is over even though they could award the contract and it could be going on while the new awardee has started. Anyway, I'm getting way into the weeds on protests and we're not going to talk about them here other than to say a protest would usually happen after an awardee is announced. And we, and we consider the protest process to be part of the selection zone because the selection is not actually done until you've gotten through all the protests. Yeah, you can't, you can't officially move on until that, that is settled. We're going to assume that the acquisition was was conducted perfectly and no protests were received, Woo-hoo. which moves us on to contract award and the honeymoon zone. Honeymoon zone begins at contract award. This is a short zone uh, to where people are as happy as they're probably going to ever be <laughs> about the award, <laughs> you know, except the, the, the losers, of course, because we're not we're not talking about them until later. But this is a short window where the contract kickoff is starting out and you're getting, you're actually meeting people. You're actually taking email addresses and names and starting to apply them to work that's actually going to get done. 
Yeah. In a lot of ways, this can set the stage for the relationship from here on out for this contract. The honeymoon zone ends kind of softly. There, There's no defined at this event, the honeymoon is over. <laughs> that would be kind of funny if there were, though. Right. It, it, Honeymoon's over now. It sort of fades into the performance zone, which is where the work of the contract, where the contract performance actually happens. That's why we call it the, the performance zone. Performance zone begins as the honeymoon bliss starts to fade away. This tends to be the longest zone. The performance zone is where the work's getting done, right? So it's the longest zone, and unless it's a purchase card, a very small transaction. But the work's getting done here, okay? Now you have contract administration. You have what should be, you should feel like you're on plane. You know, you, the, you're, you're no longer figuring stuff out how to get the contract awarded. Now you're doing the work that the contract exists to get done. Right. And like you said, if it's deliver me two of these and I'm done, the performance zone is very short. But if you're talking a contract of any length, the performance zone could last longer than all of the rest of the zones combined. Performance zone ends when the period of performance is over, when everything's delivered. We are complete. But again, we can't draw a clean line and say, now we move into the recompete zone because the recompete zone sort of overlays the performance zone in most cases. It begins when the government decides they want to buy whatever the contract was for again, okay? Or something close to it, right? Now you start asking questions of, did this work well? Did our acquisition strategy work well the last time? Should we do the same thing again? Same contract types and length of contract. All of those questions are being asked again, but it's still during the performance zone because you can't get to the end of the work and say, okay, now let's start this whole process over again. You can't have a break in service. Right, right. If it's a services contract, you can't say, all right, everybody stop, world stop turning. We're going to take six months <laughs> and recompete this and do it again, right? No, you start before your current contract ends, which is why I say it, it, it overlays it. And it also overlaps into the acquisition time zones for the next acquisition, right? So the requirement zone and the market research zone for your next acquisition, that is the recompete zone for the current acquisition. The, the point is, if you're the incumbent, if, you, if you're the one accomplishing the current work, you get to perform that work and write a proposal at the same time to, to keep your work. Meanwhile, the losers from the last competition if they want to compete again and the new entrants that want to compete now are trying to take that work away from you and government folks, this is where you may be administering the current contract while you're figuring out the requirements and writing your new RFP and conducting your source selection while you're still trying to do your other job of administering the contract. Yeah, this is a very busy zone. The recompete zone ends when the next final RFP is released. And that, that's kind of confusing, but the recompete zone ends when the performance zone ends. So at the same time, the last of the execution time zones is the wrap up zone. It's, this one begins when the period of performance is complete. And for that matter, the performance and like we said, the recompete zone have been mostly wrapped up and delivery or acceptance has occurred. Okay. It's done. It ends when the contract is officially closed out. And that could take years, right? For, for a purchase card transaction, th there really is no wrap-up zone. Money has been transferred. 
You've delivered what you've delivered. Done. For a giant cost-type contract where you have to settle indirect rates and come to a final agreement on what the true cost was to perform it, that can take years and years. And we've talked before, a five-year contract could end and seven years later, you could still be trying to close that thing out. So the wrap-up zone could last a long time. Hopefully it doesn't, but it could. We have customers that are dealing with that very thing. All right, Kevin, that is the overview of the time zones. And we have separate episodes where we get into details way deep, maybe too deep, on each (laughs) of the zones. It's important for folks to remember that these zones apply everywhere for for every purchase. In micro-purchases with government credit cards for simplified acquisition procedures under FAR 13, and pretty much every other acquisition out there, source selections, sole source contracts, broad agency announcements, 8A set-asides, all that stuff, right? And our team of contracting officers has touched pretty much every one of these throughout. We've lived these time zones. I was mostly on the system side, so I did lots of these source selections and broad agency announcements and even some set-asides for small businesses, but I rarely touched simplified acquisition procedures or GSA schedules or anything like that. You had a similar-ish experience. It's hard for one person to cover the entire breadth of government acquisitions. Yeah, I think the the most the most different one I did was probably some of the simplified acquisition procedure ones, but a lot of my stuff was full source selections, right? But then we have folks on our team who have done the micro purchase, who have done the GWACs, the government wide acquisition contracts, who have done a lot more sole source contracts. So there's a lot of different ways. I mean, our team has lived these time zones from every angle you can think of. So if you're looking for a relationship with a team of former contracting officers who have lived these time zones for decades, then give us a call. Go to skywayacq.com or call us at 877-884-5280. We'd love to help you. That's a good plug. Good plug. Once again, the reason that we're able to bring this podcast to you for free week after week is because of... Skyway Acquisition, and our team of former contracting officers. And with that, I'll talk to you soon, Kevin. I'll see you, Paul. Thanks for joining us for that overview of the time zones. Here at the end of the podcast, this is where I usually talk about how the support we get from members of the Skyway community allows us to continue to offer this podcast to the world for free every week. I want to take this opportunity to, again, say thank you to our members and thank you for being a listener. And we'll see you next week. Did you hear the bird hit the window, by the way? Yeah. That was a bird hitting my window. It's crazy. <laughs> At least it wasn't like a flying chameleon or lizard or whatever. <laughs> yeah.